And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20. You can get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. We'll be riding solo for you tonight, breaking down a 2-1 to loss to the Houston Astros. A couple of things that we got to go through. Another great pitching performance from Kyle Freeland. Uh, a few other things out there that we have to talk about. But sadly and, and honestly, I, I really don't take any pleasure in doing this, despite how often I've sort of railed about the issue and talked about the need for the electronic strike zone. But you really can't anymore, especially with all of the facts that we have available to us, have an earnest conversation about the game that we all just watched without talking about home plate umpire Rob Drake. It was a very, very poor performance from him. And for those of you who may have any concern that that's coming entirely from a place of homerism, whether it be for the Rockies or for the electronic strike zone or whatever else it may be. We have these tools now. And and one of the great things about being on these live videos, and hopefully you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, you click the bell icon, you can join us anytime we go live, typically right after any of these games. You can see visual evidence in this particular case. And I'm going to go through this just a little bit because it's worth pointing out that on the night, the Colorado Rockies had nine pitches that were outside of the strike zone called strikes on them. And Kyle Freeland had four pitches that were inside the strike zone, not called strikes. Let's take a look, if you're joining us here, at some of the most egregious examples. I'm going to show you what baseball savant has available you can look at all of the pitches that were thrown by the houston astros this evening we'll zoom in a little bit here on brandon belak who you know really managed to work the edges and realize that he was getting these calls but look at this ridiculous first pitch strike one on rymel tapia or this first pitch strike one on nolan arenado after a trevor story walk with a chance for the Rockies middle of the order to do a little bit of damage. Yes, ACL, I'm not making it up. We can go through and look at nine. One, two, three, four, 
five. I mean, that's borderline. You can maybe, maybe give him that one if it touched. That's not normally called a strike, but five-ish if you want. Let's see, those were swinging. So we're on five still. Those were swinging at. So five. Oh, yeah, this was the Daniel Murphy one. So there's six. I think I, I still missed a, a BLAC one somewhere. Um, there was this one you all remember from Josh James to Garrett Hampson. Seven. And then in uh, Rhyme Altapia there in the ninth, that's at least eight. I think I missed one on BLAC because there were three right there on top of each other. One, two. Yeah, there. I think there's three of them in there. That was called a strike. That was called a strike. So, yeah. Uh, you can go through each and every single one of them. And then if you want to flip it over to the other side, which I'll do really quick and, and you don't have to watch me zoom in and out. But like I said, if you want to say, well, hey, man, uh, that was the strike zone. Like you saw there, they, they were calling them like that all night. It actually, it was, it was not going both ways. Again, we can take a look here at what Kyle Freeland was getting and what the Colorado Rockies pitchers were getting. And did Freeland get a couple of those? Yep, there's one. There's one he got early on, and there's a second one that he got, again, early on. Both of them to Kyle Tucker, interestingly enough. Um, the rest of these are were all swung at. All of these were swung at. These were all swung at, swung at, fouled off, fouled off. And then you see the one, two, three, four pitches, not even like – on the edge like this one's completely in the strike zone this one's completely in the strike zone this one's 70 to 80 percent in the zone and this one's 50 percent in the strike zone and so that kind of inconsistency from a home plate umpire is going to dramatically alter the outcome of a baseball game I'm sure there's somebody somewhere right now saying, you know, the strike zone was bad out there tonight, but you can't go into the ninth inning with one hit and you can't finish the ball game with two hits and expect to win. That's bad often. As if those two things are not related. As if walking up to the plate and being down 0-1 when the pitch was four inches outside, as happened to Ryan Altapia, or when it's three inches inside, as happened to Nolan Arenado, the first pitch, every batter, every hitter, Bud Black and every manager in baseball will tell you the most important pitch is strike one, the first strike of any given at bat. The pitchers really got to earn that thing. And tonight, Brandon Belak did not have to earn strike one in several key at bats. While on the other hand, and that's the other thing, what we just ran through there doesn't even go into the key nature of the at bats. That's just the raw data if you actually got into, this is something I've, I've wanted to create for a long time, a kind of WPA for missed balls and strike calls, because the one, for example, in uh, I think it was the fourth or the fifth inning against Kyle Freeland, uh, not the one that he ended up getting really upset about. The, the one I showed you that was 100% in the zone, that was on a two-strike count, and it ended up leading to a base hit when there were two outs and then the next guy got a seeing eye single Freeland had to throw 15 more pitches in that inning. Now Freeland ended up expertly working out of 
a lot of this stuff, including the really bad one, which happened in the sixth, which is where I think this went from Rob Drake's having a bad game, the way any ball player can have a bad game, where you're just you're off a little bit. And like we saw, he had called some of those ones outside of the zone early to Freeland to he's starting to do this out of spite. We we watched it happen. You all saw it happen. When Freeland threw that pitch, he thought he had strike three, kind of started walking around the mound the way a guy does when he thinks he's got a strikeout. And Rob Drake apparently took exception to that. And I've got a real problem with this here. And there should be a statement from Major League Baseball about why this is okay, because Rob Drake is in the position of authority there. He should not be instigating a shouting match with the pitcher for, I assume, quote-unquote, showing him up. That's garbage. That is nonsense. That is absolutely ridiculous. This was a bad performance from Rob Drake, but once he did that, he turned it into a personal performance, and there needs to be something done about that. He shouldn't be allowed to start a shouting match with the pitcher because if he says anything back, Freeland's going to get run from the game. And now you're extra not fair, right? Now now you've taken matters extra into your hands. And we saw what he did right after that. There were two pitches that he absolutely, in my mind, called because – He was sick of the Rockies chirping at him. And they were right because his zone had been garbage all night. But rather than just say, man, I got to buckle down and do a better job, he decided to take it personally. And not only that, then to take it out on the Colorado Rockies and have it impact the baseball game. Because the very next pitch that Kyle Freeland threw after Rob Drake instigated a fight was also a strike that should have been a called strike three that he didn't give him which is just, and then the next pitch was a base hit. And if I, I don't know how Freeland didn't get into, like at that point, I may have gotten into a fist fight with a guy. <laughs> but like these guys are so much more calm and collected than I would be in a situation at this point. I don't know how he didn't get thrown out of the game at that point, but that I was just remarkably shocked. And then in the very next half inning, in the first at bat, after Daniel Murphy had fouled off a couple of very tough pitches and looked away a couple of tough pitches, you want to get that first runner aboard, a pitch that's four inches outside, ring him up, strike three. And I see a couple of people, and and look, I'm not going to harp on it much longer, but you cannot separate the lack of offense tonight from the performance of Rob Drake behind the plate. I'm sorry you can't do it. The Rockies only struck out. Four times they went up there with a good approach. They hit the ball hard in several at-bats. They did what they were supposed to do as far as their approach. They were hitting the ball to all fields. Yeah, they didn't go out there and hit a ton of home runs in their first game of a road trip after being at Coors Field for a while because they never do. That doesn't happen. It's very difficult for the Rockies' road offense to go out and produce like that. And you know what? The Astros offense didn't produce anything outside of a two-run double that was barely, barely fair on a grounder down the left field line. It's not like they were knocking the ball all around the ballpark either. There at the end, the Rockies hit them 98, 97, 98, but just to the wrong part of the ballpark because it doesn't carry in center field in Houston. Those balls are to the 
a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. Those are home runs. Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado both had warning trackouts earlier in the game. So I on it like this is where this is where I think it's really important to make this distinction because I I absolutely will go in on the Colorado Rockies offense when they come out with a terrible approach. I did it game two of that Rangers series against Kyle Gibson. I thought it was an awful approach. I took him to task for it earlier in the season when they had a couple of times when they were going out and not scoring runs. You know, I said, I like the approach, but these particular at-bats, not good. Tonight, there wasn't an at-bat where I went, oh, man, so-and-so. You know, you could say maybe uh, Ryan McMahon after the at-bat in the inning where Rymel Tapia walked and then he stole second and third, right, which is the second time this season he's done that now. And McMahon got the ball in the air, uh, just not quite deep enough to left field to score that run. Or they might still be out there playing because Houston didn't have anything going offensively either. The vast majority of their hits were seeing eye ground ball singles, and their singles got through, or the one got by Nolan Arenado, which isn't going to happen very often for a double, two runs. And that's the baseball game. There was some good pitching from both sides out there, but. You, you, you can't do it, and you can't just totally separate those two things in a baseball game. The entire point of an offensive approach and of the battle between the hitter and the pitcher is the battle over that little invisible rectangle. It is a battle you have to win both mentally and physically from pitch to pitch, and when you were at such a disadvantage the way the Rockies were tonight, that is a nearly unovercomable obstacle. What the hell kind of word did I just try to invent? That, that's, that's a, that is an obstacle that is nearly impossible to overcome. That big a difference when it's not just, oh, big zone tonight. It's no extra big zone for the other guy and small zone for your guy. And that the Rockies were even in it, that they were there with a 2-1 game with a chance to win the ball game, I think shows some resiliency. Uh, the only difference, honestly, if I'm going to critique anybody uh, from pretty much anybody out there for the Colorado Rockies tonight, it might be Bud Black for not getting tossed. And that's not really a thing that he does. Uh, and, and I see Trevor asking, surprised that, but Black didn't physically – and and you don't need to physically come out uh, because, you know, the, the rules are in place, and, and rightfully so, socially distancing, and the Rockies are going to follow. They, they've been so stringent about that, and they're not going to go outside of that. But scream and holler from the dugout till you get thrown because you've got to make it a point that that was unacceptable from Drake, not just the zone, but that the, he further went and made it personal was just poor form and he really ought to be reprimanded by major league baseball. Not for all the balls and strikes that he missed that happens. Uh, and it's just more and more evidence of why we need an electronic strike zone. But the other thing, him getting in Kyle Freeland's face and then immediately squeezing him again and ringing up Daniel Murphy to make a point like that, that dramatically changes the game. That's way too much power to be 
put into the hands of, of, of a person. And it's why I've been able to convince people like Tracy Wrinklesby or Patrick Lyons or these people or, or you know, some of these people whose only issue now is make sure the technology works. And it's not any of the stuff that it used to be because of stuff like this. When you see a guy, it only takes one. It only takes a couple of calls or one, you know, moment for a guy to go off and decide for the rest of the game, I'm calling it this way because I don't like your attitude. And there, there's no mechanism to stop him from doing that. And it very clearly happened out there with Rob Drake tonight. Let's get to some of the on the diamond stuff brought to you by our friends at Breckenridge Brewery. Ah, I got that hot peak IPA going on right now. They drank all the avalanche amber with the big win for the Avs early on today. And you are absolutely right there, Alciel. As I've said before, all three teams aren't allowed to win in the same day. Hasn't happened yet. I don't make the rules. I just live by them. Those are my mother's rules. You can't have all three of your teams win in the same day. But for the one that didn't, you can drink your Breck brew. You can get it down at the farmhouse. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. Use code DNVR and you'll save five bucks off your entire purchase. That's right. Both the food and the beer, you get a little discount on there at the farmhouse. And if you can't, <coughs> excuse me, if you can't swing by there, swing by the DNVR bar. We got plenty of Breck brew on offer. Of course, I've got to toast a glass to Freeland as he is once again our king of the game. Remember to use that promo code DNVR at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for that sign-up bonus. But yeah, Kyle Freeland out there tonight. Six innings pitched, seven hits, but only two earned runs, both coming in the first inning, as I talked about, on a ground ball, two-run double from Carlos Correa, that if that's a foot to the right, Arenado picks it up, throws him out, no harm, no done. No, what? No harm, no done? That's not a thing. That's not a thing people say. No harm, no foul, or no harm done. One of those two things. I should have picked one. Um, yes, ACL, he is looking like 2018 Freeland. He is now five for five in quality starts, so I can bring back my worst nickname ever. Yes, even worse than when I called Charlie Blackman the trendsetter, RIP, now that he's no longer the leadoff hitter. Quality start Kyle has returned five for five. And I agree, you guys, not just the pitching, the poise. Uh, he was locked in that he fought through this terrible zone to only give up the two runs, that he fought through some traffic, uh, that he fought through a really, really dumb error from Daniel Murphy on a play where he had an out right in front of him and tried to play the hero and spin around and throw the ball to second base when he really didn't need to and spiked it and story flipped around and gave him a look like, bro, what are you doing? Um, so Freeland fought through a lot out there in this one. It's why he's got to be your draft king of the game. Did not walk a batter, struck out five, and – the thing that really, and again, it's why you can't separate the Rob Drake stuff from the conversation. That slight pause also brought to you by Breckenridge Brew. Because what he did after those two 
pitches in a row that should have been strike three. So strike three and four were not called. And he gave up the hit. He started throwing angry. I mean, he was mad. You could see it in every part of his body. You could see it in his eyes. And I, you heard him yell out a great big loud F-bomb to finish that thing out when, when he got out of there. Uh, he was... His adrenaline just went through the roof of like, fine, I'm going to beat everybody. I'm going to beat the batter. I'm going to beat the umpire. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to throw my absolute best pitches so that this can't be the excuse, right? The, the people think that that I'm making right now, the excuse, not an excuse for Freeland. If anything, I guess I'm excusing the offense. But... Freeland pitched extraordinarily well, and that continues to be a really, really good sign for your Rockies moving forward. Sitting there with a 256 ERA on the season. Like I said, five quality starts in five outings. If he keeps pitching like that, he's going to, to win plenty of ball games. Win. I, I don't mean the pitcher win. I mean the Rockies will win plenty of ball games when he takes the mound, and they will be competitive throughout the season because he doesn't look like as as Patrick has said we talked about him he just needed to be an amalgamation of what he had been before and what he was last year which was this you know absolute disaster just find the middle point and he hasn't yet he hasn't found the middle point he's gone back to what he was in 2018 he's pitching he's he's been one of the best run preventers in all of baseball period and Will, 100%, Hoffman looked good. And Jeff Houston called him Hoffy. Why? Because I guess what we do to give baseball players nicknames is just put an E at the end of it. Maddie. You know, everybody's, but yeah, I, I call him Hoffy. Call, I'm sure we can come up with something better for Jeff Hoffman, and we may need to. Because he's got an 0.93 ERA, went out there through 13 pitches, hit his spot, I would say, on 11 of them. Jeff Hoffman, late innings Colorado Rockies pitcher. How does that sound to you? I mean, he's throwing the ball well, and he may end up being an answer to several one of the several questions that is facing the Colorado Rockies bullpen whether it's you know who becomes a setup man if you have to make Carlos Estevez your closer which I think Bud Black would really prefer to leave Estevez into a, a kind of fireman role which may mean picking up the occasional save as he had to the other day but we've talked about this for years actually that Hoffman could be this type of pitcher that his stuff now, typically, if you've got the 97-mile-an-hour fastball and a great breaking ball as a reliever, it's a slider, and Hoffman throws the curve. But it's playing out exactly how I envisioned it so far in its best-case scenario for him as a reliever in one or two inning stints. The one thing about, you know, if you're even thinking, could Hoffman be the closer down the road? And I think he could. I mean, he's got closer stuff, right? The fastball-curveball combo. And the changeup has been great this year. So he's got closer stuff but he can pitch multiple innings so do you want to pigeonhole him into that role you know it's you you could kind of go either way 
with that, right? But his emergence is absolutely key and worth pointing out and remembering here. And then the other guy who pitched tonight, Tyler Kinley. How are you enjoying your, your Tyler Kinley experience? I'll tell you what. If he's going to do this, if this is it, ultimately, I'm going to live with it for a seventh inning guy and leave him as that kind of guy. In these types of games, too, preferably, you know, you're tied, you're down one, preferably not up one, maybe in the seventh. That could be tight, which, again, would be why it would be nice if Kyle Freeland could go seven innings, which he absolutely could could have done tonight if he didn't have to throw about 25 extra pitches. But the two walks, the throw in, what was it, the first nine nine of his first 10 pitches out of the strike zone. And then he strikes out a pair with wicked gnarly stuff. And, and for a second there, you know, you're going, oh man, is this going to turn into another, he's about to give up five runs like he did against the Diamondbacks in that one inning where he just where he literally did not get an out and it didn't and he's always had the high walks the high whip therefore doesn't give up a ton of hits the the backbreaker that that he gave up that one to Peralta after putting so many guys on base but then he did what he's done up until that moment for the Rockies up until that Peralta hit and what he had done for most of his career in Miami, which is strike out his way out of it. And, you know, if, if we've seen the worst of Tyler Kinley, which you got to figure, <laughs> you got to, on some level, you got to figure that Diamondback Sam's got to be the worst of Tyler Kinley we've seen. Because look at that slider and the fastball. They're ridiculous. Now, the fastball he can't locate worth a damn, or at least not, you know, most of the time. But the slider is an absurd pitch. And as long as he's got that in his back pocket, he's going to be able to work out of some of these jams. And he worked out of that one. It took him 20 pitches to get out of the seventh inning, but he did it. Solid stuff. Tyler Kinley, certainly a nice bounce back. If he gives up two runs there, you're, you're starting to look at other people getting those innings, right? But right now, in an all-healthy world, Bard, Almonte, Hoffman, and Estevez might be your four-person back end. For now. You know, talk to me again tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll see where we're at on that. So and and Bielter, you may have missed the beginning of the show. I've 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 done my piece on Rob Drake. If you didn't hear it, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast or you go back if you're on YouTube, wherever you may be here, yet you, you listen to the beginning of the video. Also, if you're hanging around, make sure you check out our friends at WGT Golf, DNVRGolf.com. You can download it totally for free for both your laptop and your phone. It's a whole lot of fun. You can play closest to the hole or full stroke play on world famous golf courses, including St. Andrews and Beth Page Black, a whole bunch of them. You can play against us in the DNVR staff or any number of people in the DNVR community. In fact, it's been so popular. People are having so much fun with it that we have had to make a third 
country clubs. You don't want to be left behind, and you've really got nothing to risk, nothing to lose. It's a fun game. You tap around on your phone. You whack the golf ball around. You enjoy your time. Maybe you get super into it, especially if you really like golf because they've got all the top golf stuff you can go in and do. But either way, check it out. Totally free. DNVRgolf.com. Uh, Jiha, I had heard that uh, the uh, x-rays for Estevez came back negative. So nothing broken. Now that doesn't, you know, we'll, we'll see how quickly he's able to pitch again. But that's obviously really good news. The Rockies can ill afford to lose anybody in that bullpen. As much as there may be, you know, not 100% faith in any one of them, you need all of them, right? There's no one guy. Like if Tyler Kinley went down, you'd be like, oh man, no, they, they need him, right? Like, yeah, he, he walks two guys every time he goes out there, but yeah, Wade Davis, that's that's sort of the bar everyone's got to cross for the year, right? It's like, are, do I have more faith in you than when the Rockies were handing the ball to Wade Davis last year or earlier this season? The answer is yes. Rockies need that guy. And right now that's everybody in their bullpen. So they 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 need this group to hang together and they need guys to to figure out their roles and and start to settle in and somebody to get hot. If it could be Jairo Diaz that would be great cuz he just hasn't been. If he could lock it in, uh that would be the best one for them cuz it allows everything to to lock in real nicely. But Daniel Bard is also a really really interesting candidate for that. Long been a Yancey Almonte fan. It's going to be going to be a, a fascinating end to uh, well, not end to rest of the the season here with the Rockies bullpen all the way through. Man, they could have used Scott Oberg anyway. That's so. Uh, don't ever let anybody tell you that the Rockies. You know, whatever they do this year, don't ever, ever, ever let anybody tell you that the Rockies have gotten super lucky this year. Remind them that their best reliever hasn't pitched a single game this year and almost certainly won't. So, yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and before I sign off here, take a quick look at this upcoming matchup. We got Antonio Senzatella versus Zach Greinke right now. Oddly enough, that feels like a toss-up. And how about that for the Colorado Rockies pitching staff? I was uh, listening into the Houston Astros TV announcers, and there, there's some interesting, there are some interesting comments to be made about what's going on in Houston Astro land, that's for sure. But they were talking about how incredible the Rockies pitching staff has been this year, and particularly out on the road. And the bullpen's got like a 105 ERA out on the road. And to think this time a year ago that you could earnestly say both based on the numbers and the way they've been pitching and the stuff that Antonio Senzatella has brought this season, that a matchup between he and Zach Greinke is a toss up. Now Zach Greinke's the better pitcher. There's no confusion about that. The chances that Greinke has a great game are higher than the chances that Antonio Senzatella has a great game. But, we know the Rockies have hit Granky well in the past. We know particularly that Trevor Story has hit Zach Granky well in the past. And we know that Antonio Sensatella has really been building here. And so, you know, 
I'm not going to I'm not going to predict the Colorado Rockies win, but I'm going to predict that this is a very very close game in game 2 and that it will again be a well pitched game. Of course, that depends on how wide the strike zone is. It actually always does. Um, a really wide strike zone is going to create for a low scoring game from both teams and a really narrow one is going to go the other way. That's almost always how that happens, but yeah, going to be going to be a tough one for the Rockies to build a ton of offense once again, despite the fact that they maybe do a little bit. Uh, can't hit the ball to center field. It doesn't go anywhere in Houston. You got to go to straight left or straight right. Got the Rockies a couple of times, but uh, yeah, long one here from Jesse, but still not time to panic, but we got to get the ball rolling. These troubles uh, have evened out in our great start. Get back to the fundamentals offensively. I agree with you there. Pitching was nails today and most of the time. Totally agree. Offense is a lot of letdown so far. Pitching is good enough to contend every day. And Jesse, that'll keep you in it. And that, that's where I'll, that's great comment. That's where I'll finish this one off is I know when the offense doesn't hit, it's frustrating as hell. But take yourself back, especially if you're a longtime listener to the podcast, if you've been listening uh, to these since 2017 and 2018 or before, you'll recall all the times we had to have this conversation about these tough 2-1 losses. But there was also an inordinate number of 2-1 wins. Uh, a one swing of the bat here that we talked about the Correa double. It could have been any number of times where that goes the other way. The Rockies get a homer there late. It's a 3-2 win. Or it's a one nothing win if that double doesn't go. Like I said, if Nolan picks that up, you might be talking about a one nothing win for your Colorado Rockies out there because they pitched well enough to have potentially done that out on the road against this team that... You know, we know there's all the stuff hanging over their heads with the the cheating and, and where are they at in their confidence level and all of that, but offensively talented baseball team. And you just went in there with Kyle Freeland, Jeff Hoffman, and Tyler Kinley. And other than that one ground ball double, you blanked them. And as long as you do that, as long as you have the ability to do that, you're in the season. You're in games. That was how they got to the postseason in 2017 and 2018. 2019, they were a better offensive team. It gets lost in the shuffle because ultimately, who cares? <laughs> they were bad. They didn't win baseball games, right? Especially with how poorly they ended. Like, they just fell completely off the map. In the final 60 games is one of the worst stretches in Colorado Rockies history. But over the course of the season... They hit better in 2019 than they did in 17 and 18. By any measure, up and down, batting average, on base, uh, WRC+, plus. if you even want to account for the juiced ball era and all that stuff, they were a better hitting team. They weren't even close to as good. Why? Because they didn't pitch. And, and you know, the, the defense was a little bit looser. In my estimation... As long as the Colorado Rockies are playing good run prevention baseball, they'll play winning baseball, and they'll be the third or fourth best team in the National League with hopes to push forward if they can either get hot, make a key acquisition, or somebody really locks in, whether that's like a Harmen Marquez type or Nolan Arenado, uh, obviously Charlie Blackman. It would help if it would be a pitcher. Honestly, it's, it almost has to be a pitcher. Because as we've seen with Charlie Blackman, 
Position players can get so hot for so long, they can only carry you so far. But a pitcher can have a great season do the dang thing. They need one of those guys to lock in in the rotation, and they need one of those guys to lock in in the bullpen. That'll be my final thought for today. Thank you all for hanging out and listening to this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast. Make sure that you're following us on all the social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You got to make sure to subscribe to the DNVR.com so you get access to all of our exclusive written content plus discounts on our merchandise, shirts, hats, masks, all kinds of cool stuff for you. We got new ones coming out all the time, including a Larry Walker one, the Colorado Rakes shirt, is super cool, really enjoying all of that stuff. Other than that, I can only ask that you remain absolutely awesome out there. You know that all I can do is remain absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.